we're going to hear a bit of scripture about the story of Noah and his ark. It's actually a really long and detailed story in the Bible. So I've asked my daughter Jada to be our scripture reader today, and she's going to read uh, some from Genesis 7 and 8 for us this morning. The waters completely overwhelmed the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the waters. The waters completely inundated the earth so that even all the high mountains under the entire sky were covered. The waters rose more than 20 feet above the mountains. All And all the living things that moved on the earth died, including the birds, domestic animals, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm over the earth, and humankind. The waters prevailed over the earth for 150 days. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and domestic animals that were with him in the ark. God caused a wind to blow over the earth and the waters receded. The fountains of the deep and the floodgates of heaven were closed and the rain stopped falling from the sky. The waters kept receding steadily from the earth so that they had gone down by the end of the day, of the 150 days. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good job, Jay. Lord, in this moment of silence, would you speak to us about your word? Father, even though the story of the flood is actually quite scary, I ask that by your spirit, through the preaching of the word in the name of Jesus, you would bring to your people the comfort that I think you meant to bring through this story. And Lord, I pray that uh, especially um, the kids among us would hear this and, uh, and understand who you are in their lives in a new way. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, kiddos, I have one, one last question for you. Um, this isn't one from the, from the curriculum, okay? This is just what you think. What is the main point of the story of Noah and his ark? What do you think? What's the, what's the main idea that you... What do you think, William? That sin got washed away. Wow. Do you want to preach? That's excellent. Good job. Yeah, anyone else? Other ideas about the main point? I think that's a pretty strong answer. You must have really wonderful mom. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to, um, I want to share with you a little bit more about what I think God's trying to teach us through this story. And, um, and, and in just a minute, uh, you're going to get a flood in a jar where you're going to be able to look at a flood and think about the flood together. But uh, before we get there, let me tell you one of the hard parts about growing up. This is, this is just a hard part for everyone about growing up. It's a journey that every single person, I think, has to go through or or maybe tries not to go through. 
Um, and so it's, it's a journey of, in the way that we think about ourselves in the world. You see, every single person, and this is right and good, they start out believing that they're the center of the universe, that it's all about them. Did you know that? Every single person starts out like that. All the, you know, you, you, you start getting your thoughts and every single person you see is just doing everything for you. They're keeping your, they're keeping your, your bottom clean and they're feeding you and, and they're, you know, if you wake up, they're coming in to see you and, and that's, that's what's happening. You, you are the middle of the world. Uh, a baby doesn't think about other people. Their main job is eating and resting and growing and learning and and it's, it's all about them. They're in the middle. Um, for the time being, little kids believe that other people exist for me. <laughs> Not for Mike, for, you know, each me. It's a normal part about being a little kid. So uh, this is something I've loved watching all of the kids of this church learn. Um, all, most of the kids of this church I've known since they since they were newborns. I've got to visit most of the kids of this church um, right, right when they were tiny little babies. And I've loved watching you grow and learn, and you learn to start thinking about other people in a different way. You start thinking about their feelings, and you learn to share, and you learn to play together. You kind of learn that you're a team with your family and your classmates and, and your church. It, it, even though that's a really good thing, the truth is that can be really, really hard. Actually, grown-ups, that's hard, right? Learning that we're not the center of the universe. Um, a lot of people, and this includes the one that's speaking, uh, have spent many years of our lives fighting the idea that I'm not the center of the universe. Now, this might be why I think a lot of teenagers especially are just kind of sad and mad at the world. Like, it's that you're going through this process, you've learned, but now you're trying to unlearn and you want to go back to being the middle of the world. And to be really honest, kids, some grown-ups have never grown out of this idea. Um, it's the, sorry, and sometimes, you know, your pastor forgets this truth. Um, we, sometimes, some people just never grow out of that. Um, this same thing happened for a lot of our ancestors, like people especially in Europe, about 400 years ago, for all of them together. And, and, and here's what I mean. There was this brilliant scientist named, named Galileo. All right, here's Galileo. And he observed, he looked up at the stars and he watched how they moved and he watched how the sun moved. And Galileo presented this idea that maybe, just maybe, the earth was one of the little things that was floating around the sun instead of everything that we could see in the sky moving around the earth. And, uh, and so he started sharing those ideas. And when he told the leaders of society, especially the, the church leaders, that idea, they got really mad. They thought that's not what the Bible teaches. And they were kind of like teenagers being sad and mad that they're not the center of the universe. And you know what they did? They put Galileo under house arrest. He wasn't allowed to leave his house for 40 years. He had to be out of society. They, they 
called him a criminal. Church criminals called a heretic. They called him a heretic. And that was the rest of his life. Realizing we're not the center of the universe can be scary and lonely. Have you ever found yourself looking up at the stars and feeling really, really little? Looking up at a mountain, looking at a huge canyon, realizing you're so small. Um, do, do any of you kids know how many people there are alive on the earth right now? About, you know, many people. A trillion thousand, did you say? Close. It's about 7.9 billion. And if you were just counting to 7 billion, this is the last figure I found, if you wanted to count to 7 billion aloud and you just counted aloud and never stopped, it would take you roughly 200 years to count to it. <laughs> like, that's a lot. It's easy to feel little, insignificant, and forgotten. And when, when hard things happen, that feeling gets even bigger. It gets even harder. There's a pastor in our denomination. His name is Andrew Brunson. And he led a church in Turkey for over 20 years until the government of Turkey arrested him and accused him of doing really bad things, trying to overthrow the government and all this other stuff. And so they put him in prison just a few years ago in Turkey. And he was in prison in Turkey for almost two years. And, and um, you know, a, lot, a few of us have gone to hear Andrew Brunson speak about his experience. And he says when he was in prison, um, you know, he thought before that happened that he would, you know, that God would like give him all this hope and joy and peace and that he would just feel the love because he was being persecuted for Jesus. And instead, he just felt totally alone. He started hearing news that they were going to keep him in prison for the rest of his life. And, uh, and he just felt like abandoned and forgotten. But then word came to him. Somebody visited him and told him that, it had, like the world had learned about his story and churches all over the world were praying for him. They had set, even we were part of this. We set aside Sundays and we all prayed. Millions of people were praying for this one guy and he heard about it. It's amazing. But during the time that he was alone in prison, the loneliness also almost flooded him. He expected to have joy and a sense of God's presence. But much of the time he only felt afraid. And that's how I think it probably felt on Noah's Ark. So, um, kids, I have a gift for you. This is a flood in a jar, okay? And Shana's going to help hand these out. So um, I'll just give you the box, Shana. Um, so kids, you get it, and there's even some for uh, some, some non-kids. So if, if you want to hold a flood in a jar and see what that's like, you can. There was Noah on this boat, and the part that Jada read, you know, she said the waters rose for 150 days, and then they were dropping for 150 days. That's 300 days there alone, and it rained for 40 days before that, and things happened after that. Noah was on this boat alone on the water for over a year. Now, he's surrounded by animals and his family. I'm not or if you'd want to be with your extended family in a boat for a year. Um, but he was there, you know, it, there he was. And it's not like, you know, Andrew Brunson knew there were people out there. 
Noah knew there was no one else out there. As far as he could see was water. Everywhere was water as far as he could see. You might know the story of the Jewish people, the nation of Israel. They started as just as one family, the family of Abraham. And at the end of Genesis, Abraham's grandkids and great-grandkids, they, they went, there was a famine. There was no food and water, so they went to Egypt. And they were there. It was really good for a little bit in Egypt. But then the Egyptians, kind of like how the Turkish government felt afraid of Andrew Brunson, the Egyptians started feeling afraid of, of the Israelites. And so they, they made them into slaves. They took away all of their power. They took away their resources, and they made them be slaves. And they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. That's as long as the time from when Galileo came up with his ideas to today. That long, they were slaves. Many Israelites lived and died as Egyptian slaves, and it surely felt like God had forgotten about them. Just like Andrew Brunson felt in his darkest moments, just like many of you have felt in some of your hardest moments. Some people go through really hard things. We lose jobs. Um, there's pain in our families. Kids, you've seen some grown-ups get sick and they stay sick for years and years. Some people make big mistakes and they have to go to jail or prison. So other, you know, terrible things happen. And when, when that happens, when people treat you poorly, when, when you've had to change schools, leave friends behind, whatever, you can feel alone and forgotten too. So there Noah is, and he's on the flood. Shake, shake up your water. You can shake your thing, you know, and see there's the floodwaters rolling, and that's all he can see as far as. And so we look at that and we say, what's the, story, what's the point of the story? Now, a big part of the story is what William said. Um, God's washing away sin. But the Bible this has a special way of helping us see the main point of a story. And this is something that a lot of times we don't notice when we're just reading through. It's the, there's a lot of Bible stories are written in a shape, okay? And this shape is like a big X. It's called a chiasm. Here's what I mean. Let me show you the shape of the story of, of, um, of Noah. This is the big, long story. Do you see how this shape is kind of these, these two things? And the, I, know none, I know no one can read these words. I'm standing right here and I can't read them, so don't worry. Okay, but... That's the whole story of Noah. That's from chapter 6 down to chapter 9. And the very first idea and the very last idea match. And the second idea and the second to last idea match. And the third idea and the third to last idea match. And so when you, if, if you're reading your Bible and you notice that seems to be happening, follow the ideas all the way to the very middle. And here's what you find at the very middle of the Noah story. God remembered Noah. That line is the very middle of the Noah story. God remembered Noah. Now, there's other things we can learn from the flood story, but sometimes we, we miss this big main idea. God remembered Noah. Now, sometimes um, I have trouble remembering people, all right? If, like, 
if you've been gone for a long time and you come back and, and I take a few minutes before I say your name, I'm sorry. Like that, you know. Or Aaron's a teacher. You know, we talk about elementary school. I can't remember my elementary school teacher's names. And I'm sorry to all the teachers. Like that's, like, that's sad. It's <laughs> sad. They really poured out their heart for me. Um, and, uh, and that's not so, like remembering, you know, like Mr. T's name. You know, uh, which I was a real teacher that I had, um, not the guy with the mohawk. Um, you know, that's not the same as God remembering Noah. When God remembers Noah, it's like someone you love remembering your birthday. And they don't just remember and say happy birthday. They do something really special for they, they bring you a special gift. They write you a note. They throw a party for you. They remembered you, and they acted on that memory. They did, they, they were, you were so important to them that they did something. And we, after 150 days, we hear, God remembered Noah. And then everything after that is the flood getting better. The waters are going down. The land is starting to appear. The ravens go out. The birds go out. And eventually they bring evidence that, that it's drying up. God remembered Noah and he was acting on Noah's behalf. Remember all the people started praying for Pastor Andrew when he was in prison? When he heard that, he knew God remembers me. I'm not alone here. At the, after the people had been in Egypt for a long time, the beginning of the book of Exodus says they were crying out in their pain. And then it says, God remembered them. God remembered them. And so he goes and gets Moses and sends Moses back to Egypt. When Jesus gave his first big sermon, which is called the Sermon on the Mount, he started like this. Here's how we started. Blessed are you who are poor, for the kingdom of God belongs to you. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Here's what he's saying. You people who think you've been forgotten, I remember you, and I'm here for you. That's the message of Jesus. That's the message of the story of Noah. God remembers you in that loneliest moment, and he will act on your behalf. You're not the center of the universe. You're not. In fact, you're, re you're revolving around a much greater sun. That's hard to learn, but you are so important to God that he would come and do all of this amazing stuff to throw you a party that you got to remember over and over again. It was on the night that Jesus was betrayed, you guys, that he took the bread, and when he had given thanks for it, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Just like he remembers us, we get to remember him. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In other words, we remember 
the action that he took because he remembered us. He acted on our behalf. And that's the great gift to us. So when you come, come knowing that you're as alone on the waters as Noah was. You're not the center of the universe. You are very small. You're one of 7.9 billion people. And yet when you take this bread and dip it into the cup, you get to hear that message from God himself. I remember you. And I'm with you. Let's pray. Father, I I admit, Lord, that so often I want to be the center of the story. So often I want to be the one that things revolve around. Um, Lord, a lot of my fellow preachers suffer from the same thing, but a lot of the people in this room suffer from the same thing. Have mercy on us, God. Lord, humble us so that we would be ready to come empty-handed and receive the gift that you've given us yourself in faith. Prepare us, Lord, for the table. In Jesus' name.